All right. Hello. <laughs> Hello. My name is Nick, and this is Insignus, a show where we can talk about the most remarkable articles in science from the previous year. We all know what plastic is. We all know that most of us probably aren't very good at reducing, reusing, and recycling it either. That's just the facts about it. And that's part of a problem because what isn't repurposed is garbage, and garbage has got to go somewhere. That somewhere is, more often than it used to be, the ocean. Single-use plastics are of course the worst plastics. These are designed to only be used once. And because plastic doesn't go away, decompose or break down for hundreds if not thousands of years, well, the same reason that we love it is the same reason that it's kind of a problem. Most modern plastics were invented in the mid-1990s, and because of this nature of plastics being so extremely stable, nearly all plastics that were ever made are still with us today. And a lot of plastics float. About 60% of plastics made are less dense than water. And things that float are quite susceptible to ocean currents. Eventually, ocean debris tends to accumulate in a number of circular currents out in the open ocean, and these are called gyres. Any natural product would of course be swept there as well, but wouldn't last very long, not long enough to noticeably accumulate. But plastics are an exception to that. There are five major gyres on our planets in our oceans. The North and South Atlantic gyres, the North and South Pacific gyres, and the Indian Ocean gyre. These are major sites for ocean garbage accumulation. Likely the most popular gyre is the North Pacific because it is home to the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. A glorious name to be sure, but you wouldn't necessarily know that you'd sailed into it if you did, and it's not even really visible from space. Like, come on, I can't see from space. Is it really there? Anyways. Either way, the ocean is vast. Let's not forget that 70% of our planet is covered in water, and I don't know about you, but our little 30% seems like a really big place. So the ocean is vast, as I said, and this collection, this gyre, is one of the places that has the highest concentration of garbage in the oceans. The North Pacific Garbage Patch was first described by Charles Moore um, upon returning from a yacht race across the Pacific in 1997. And then interest in this garbage patch really grew significantly after an incident where a shipping vessel spilled nearly 61,000 Nike shoes into the ocean. So right now, plastic is used mostly once, and then it is burned, put in landfills, or it is dumped. Currently, about one garbage truck of plastic, plastic alone, is being dumped into the ocean every day. Now, here's how plastics are typically recycled. They're sorted into different types of plastic, and then shredded down into tiny little pieces. These pieces are melted and made into little plastic pellets. Those pellets are then sold to companies to use for their production process. This works, but plastic is not amenable to undergoing this process too many times before becoming fragile and sort of breaking down. And companies are working on ways to better get rid of plastics, such as chemically breaking them down into their components, largely just carbon, the same thing that we're mostly made of. But what makes plastic so great is how stable it is. And so this is actually a really difficult job to do. So all in all, from all those garbage trucks worth of plastic, it's estimated that 8 million tons of plastic 
are thought to enter our oceans every year. And that's enough that it's thought that there would be more plastic by mass than fish in the ocean by the year 2050. Currently, the largest single contributing country is China to this plastic waste. So what is this plastic doing? Why is this a problem if it's just so stable and floating around? Well, that's just it. That's not all it's really doing. 90% of seabirds worldwide are consuming plastic as part of their diet. And not just birds either, fish and other animals as well. This plastic then makes its way up the food chain from the very bottom. And while it is horrible to know that animals all over the world are eating plastic and getting it trapped in their stomachs, it's not just big pieces of plastic that you're imagining that are the problem. There are also a lot of microplastics. Plastics break down, they form smaller and smaller little pieces of plastic. This makes sense. The effects of which are understood to be negative when people eat them, but have not yet been well studied. And these tiny little plastics are consumed by a lot of animals as well. And then as they work their way up the food chain, they're likely being eaten by us too. But I can't necessarily advocate for cleaning the ocean. I mean, not yet. There's a lot of projects that involve this. And but we need to stop polluting the oceans well before we should start about thinking of cleaning them. It seems very unlikely that we could possibly keep up with the amount of plastic that's being dumped into the ocean each day. So the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, as I said, isn't photogenic. It's not an island of garbage. But let's not get let it get there either. Please don't let it become a little continent of plastic garbage. What a dystopian novel that would make. Now, because this is my own podcast, and I am beholden to no one, I will just air a personal gripe. So, straws are extremely important to people with disabilities. I just like to make this very clear. <laughs> Their invention transformed the world at the time. Sure, straws allowed people to not sip directly from their cans and have pretty drinks at the bar, but where straws really made a difference was in hospitals. So while I don't mind up and dropping straws in almost every scenario, an all-out ban on straws being evil, I cannot support. And one of the problems that I always see with people in the championing causes like this is that you can't simply advocate or demand for the removal of something that serves a purpose. You have to be prepared to replace it in some way with a solution that is better, or at least more agreeable with your values, lest it be replaced with something worse, and your social campaign has already been spent and dissolved, and now you are left with the greater of two evils. The replacements for plastic straws are more expensive for the individual, and more often than not, worse for the environment overall. It's true there won't be as big a problem getting stuck in turtles' noses, but that's about where the benefits could end. Kind of like those cloth bags that you bring to the grocery store because you're trying to be environmentally savvy. Do you know how many times you have to use that bag before you come out as net equal instead of getting new bags on every trip? More than 7,000 uses. So start counting. Who doesn't like a well-publicized feel-good policy after all? Anyways, okay, here's my point. If we're going to try to cut down on things that we don't need to exist in an attempt to save our planet from more plastics, was straws really a good place to start? How many 
party balloons are made each year compared to straws. I'm not even sure. But some people genuinely need cheap and durable straws. But do any of you need party balloons that then get released into the air? I don't know either. All right, on today's paper then. References will be at the end and in the show notes. Most of what we know about plastics floating around in our oceans is from people hanging nets off the backs of their boats while they sail around and then checking to see what they've caught. This study is no exception, using 18 boats to tow around nets of various sizes from 1 meter wide to 6 meter wide and catching particles as small as half a millimeter. But they've also now used cameras and real live people, human spotters, up in airplanes to get a twirl around and also spot some of the larger debris. So if you haven't guessed so far, the most abundant garbage that you'll find floating around in the oceans is plastic. So this study was able to estimate using a combination of trawling, which is dragging those nets around, as well as aerial surveillance, that the 1.6 million kilometers squared of ocean that is the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, which is only three one-thousandths of Earth's total surface area, by the way, was likely to hold about 80,000 tons of plastic. That's 16 times higher than a previous study's estimate. And differences likely being to both differences in survey methods as well as the ever-growing amount of plastic that's there. Large plastics, that is plastics that are greater than 50 centimeters, made up more than half of that mass. Although from smaller plastics that were found, these were found in the billions to trillions range. And so there are many, many, many small plastics. And there are many smaller plastics that were able to be caught by those nets as well. A large contributor to this rise in plastics in this area is thought to be due to the 2011 Tohoku tsunami in Japan, where an estimated 4.5 million tons of debris was carried into the ocean. About 70% of that likely sank immediately, according to scientists' estimates. But that still leaves a lot of garbage out there to contend with. So given that, as we'd expect, of the garbage collected, we're able to determine its origin, usually using writing on the plastic. And the largest proportion, 34% of it found in this study, came from Japan, although this was followed quite closely by China at 30%. So while, so while the amount of plastic that was found is very disconcerting, um, it's actually two orders of magnitude lower than what models predicted. This study found tens of thousands of tons, but estimates are in the millions, leading most to believe that there's a lot more plastic than we're able to find. Of course, there's likely mechanical forces keeping much of the plastic off of the surface, or maybe breaking it apart into pieces smaller than normally measured. In this case, that would be less than half a millimeter. So as we mentioned, roughly 60% of the global plastic demand is buoyant, meaning that it floats, and will continue to float once it makes its way into the ocean. So for as much plastic as we see in the surface, we can expect about that much to also be on the ocean floor. Although it bears mentioning that at least half the plastic found in this study was from marine-based origins. So that means largely from commercial fishing industries, especially nets. There's some bias here, of course, though, since these items are engineered to withstand the ocean, and so they stick around a little bit better and are easier for us to find because that's their job. 
And unfortunately, computer models of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch lead us to believe that the garbage that's there isn't likely ever to leave. And so it's pretty well doomed to slowly degrade into increasingly smaller pieces, which will eventually sink to the seafloor. So all that being said, we made this mess. We know where to find it. We should be cleaning it up. I think that cleaning the oceans certainly isn't the first step or the most important step towards eliminating the problem. The first step would be more responsible use of our plastics and to stop letting them get into the oceans in the first place. But whether or not cleaning the oceans solves our problem or not, we've put plastics into the ocean and they're there at this very minute. The longer we leave them there, the more damage they're doing. So removing that garbage sooner rather than later is still something that I wholly support. And here's hoping it's not too late. Today's paper was by LeBreton et al. Uh, evidence that the Great Pacific Garbage Patch is rapidly accumulating plastic from the journal Nature. I've been your host, Nick Zelt, and this is Insignis. Thank you.